Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Progressed chart reading, needle chart reading. What is it? The 2021? January 31st? That would be the one. 2021. Back to the future. We did it, Mom. We're in the future. So the first thing, we should just take a quick look again at your natal chart, which has the planets in four of the 12 possible houses. And note that that's changed. That pattern has changed quite a bit because that's a very uh, narrow pattern which uh, is very good for accomplishing very specific tasks, not as good for multitasking a variety of different activities because your focus is very, when you have planets only in certain houses, in so few houses, you focus only in those houses and you don't have a lot of flexibility about jumping around to the other houses unless transiting planets open those houses up for you. So that's been a factor of your life so far that when at whatever you do, you focus in uh, 110%. And that, that uh, one of the advantages of that, of course, is the development of excellence. Because if you are a dilettante, if one is a dilettante, if you have, for example, some people do planets in seven or more of the 12 houses, then those are people who tend to have trouble focusing on any one task. They feel drawn to a lot of different things, and they may spend time jumping around, being a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Your chart is absolutely set up to head towards mastery in whatever activities catch your attention. As a starting-out person, that, of course, meant uh, all that air, that's a lot of planets in air, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, and so, of course, writing and communicating, having a newspaper under your fictitious name when you were in elementary school. That's all of true. That is, oh, my God. All of that the is... The Waldorf Chronicle. It was secretly written by me and uh, Allison Waters' daughter during our work experience week. Jessica. Jessica Waters, she's now like a VP of some natural food. Well, all those kids are rich. Um, but we sat in, we had work experience in the office at the lower school, and we wrote this gossip column, see, under set pen names, and no one knew it was us. Right. Well, that uh, certainly applies when you have 12th house planets, as you do. <clears throat> My name was Lord Montague. Yeah, I remember that. The Waldorf Chronicle. It was famous. We did 10 issues and pissed mm-hmm. off a lot of kids. Yes. But right. they also loved it and would call us and report shit amongst a high school of 75 kids. So that's like super incestuous just to start, right? Then you yeah, add in small, like small a little pond to deal gossip. with. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you remember that. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, you wrote sonnets, you wrote plays, you you were very you were yeah. very much working on your uh, Renaissance boy 
persona, which works really well. And um, when you're not a dilettante... I was just trying are, not to be bored, really. When you are very focused, as this chart, natal chart shows, um, it enables you to really hone in on your tasks. Now, it does tend to give you blinkers when it comes to other people's other tasks. So... And other people's perspectives sometimes, too, because you're very, very focused on developing a particular level of expertise, and that requires that you exclude other perspectives sometimes. Um, right now, in your natal chart, we do see these transiting planets very much cycling between the third house to the seventh. Again, that's only four houses, so... The transits have got you very much focused again in the third house of short trips, communications, the home, very ties in very nicely with working from the home in the field of air, which would be computers and such not. Uh, Neptune in the fifth house, transiting the fifth house. Again, a little dicey for romance, indicating again an attraction to mysterious and spiritual women. But uh, and Pisces, it's in Pisces. But this is a an as, a planet that's traveling through, not staying there permanently. Although you have a, a natural attack attraction to water, fire, women, women with a certain uh, mysteriousness and spirituality, plus uh, the ability to um, be their own person, to be a fiery look at me, see what I'm doing kind of self-made person. The, both those things attract you in women out of your natal chart. Your seventh house does have two major planets going transiting through it, Uranus and uh, Mars in Taurus. So those are uh, a bit dicey for a permanent relationship. Mars can certainly bring attraction, but it also brings a certain uh, argumentativeness that can make it hard for relationships to stick. And Uranus brings um, unexpected, unusual people, relationships into your life. But again, it can bring them, pull them out just as quickly. So when we look at the progress chart, um, what we see is uh, the very end degrees, and we've discussed this before, the end degree of the Scorpio, which, you know, you can probably be thanking God at this point, because to spend um, so many years with the Scorpio Ascendant, it certainly, because you started at zero, zero degrees, <coughs> Scorpio, it, Scorpio is... I can't say an, I've enjoyed it. ...an amazing sign. Obviously, everyone knows it's, you know, it's intense, it uh, has enormous depth, um, it rules the the height of the Pluto, which is the phoenix rising from the ashes. But the problem is, if you're going to be a phoenix rising from the ashes, there has to be ashes. <laughs> that part is not a lot of fun. And that is a repeating cycle whenever you have Scorpio dominant in a chart. It's tough when it's an ascendant, because it's how, it, it's how other people project onto you, as well as your own... Um, the persona that you send out, which is going to be a very intense, um, certainly a certain amount of inflexibility comes along with Scorpio, because they're not in, they're not known for flexibility. They're known for being absolutely passionate and <clears throat> following their passions right through, uh, well, to ashes. You know, they'd rather go to ashes than give up, and so that's. That can work so much for you. Make great researchers. Anyone who's wanting to get to the truth about something, you want a Scorpio on your on your team because they're just simply not going to ever stop until they get there. And they absolutely are one of those people who are willing to die trying and consider it worthwhile. So, um, but for other people, when it's your persona, when it's your surface personality, other people look at that and can be. Um, angry about it because it's ruled by both Mars and Pluto, which can push everybody's buttons all the way down to the ground, um, leading to just um, it can lead, it can give you obviously the the 
the fun level of Mars attraction. So you'll get that. You know, it's like, oh, yes, let's have fun with this lovely Scorpio energy. Um, all the way up to, okay, now I'm declaring war on you. I hate you. Traction's gone. I've gone to hate. And then Pluto pops in, which is, well, I'm not only have gone from attraction and all that fun stuff through hate to I now want to nuke you. So it's a tough ascendant to carry because you will push other people's buttons. They will project their shadow on you as you work through your own shadow. So you have that opportunity. You have that opportunity to do enormous work. I'm not not really a much of a choice about <clears throat> it. Um, as we all do, we, we're here to work through these things, so you're working through it. Um, and other people will have their reactions. Now, the, the nice thing about Scorpio Ascendant is it's coming to an end. And it's already at uh, 28 degrees, which means you're already feeling the effects of that Sagittarius coming in, which is just going to be just a breath of fresh air and uh, a sense of freedom and release that comes from getting away from all of that Scorpio intensity. And that's going to be the next 30 years or so of your life. So it's going to be a nice ascendant to have. In general, people like Sagittarius energy. They find it uplifting, inspiring. Um, it does not irritate people. Scorpio irritates the hell out of people. But Sagittarius does not. Sagittarius is sort of the playboy of the universe. It's like... But you know, Scorpio feels a bit more honest, if not blunt, to me than Sagittarius. Seems a bit more deceptive energy. Well, it's you have you have to look at it from the inside of something. If you look at it from the outside, you can judge every sign and find its weakness. Right. Scorpio can be absolutely very honest and blunt, but it's not your Mercury, so it's not really relevant in that sense. But Scorpio can hide, like, it has an enormous ability to hide itself. It does not want to reveal itself. It does not want everyone to see every nook and cranny of itself. So a Scorpio ascendant is Such a not, playful energy, eh? Yeah, well, and not. So, yeah, so definitely a Scorpio ascendant is not somebody What do you do when to. you don't enjoy it but you can't escape it? Like, it's this cloak you have to wear. That's what you're saying, right? You're saying the ascendant is changing finally for the first time in my life mm-hmm. from Scorpio. In from my Scorpio progress, into for the first time ever, I'm going from having my whole life having a Scorpio ascendant to now having a Sagittarius one. That is what I said. I used exactly <clears throat> Sorry. those words. So, I'm, I yes. may be a little stone, but that's super cool. That's super chill. Yeah, it, it is a big, a big tris- transition and a really big change. The point of having had that, though, is to learn all the lessons that Scorpio it, has to teach. I gotta so. be honest; it's like good riddance. Yeah, Good riddance, motherfucker. when you get out of it, (laughs) often that's when you can reflect back more objectively and see the pros and the cons that that you went through. It's not the same for everyone. Your pattern is not the same as everybody else's. Your Scorpio ascendant is not the same as everybody else's. Right. Your Scorpio ascendant had uh, Mars in... Let's go back to the natal. Well, like I've told you before, I I felt definitely my whole life that I've sort of been imprisoned by this ascendant. Like, given my sun, Mars, and Mercury, not to mention the Venus and and the moon and all the other shit, it's all sort of been under this, this, in this mantle of Scorpio energy that does it wrong a lot of the time. So, uh, it's like having a curse lifted or Irish geese. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, Scorpio. that is your experience of it. So that's as you you will continue. Well, like you said, you can do a lot of things it. with that energy, and I did, but it was the Scorpio sent it on was, its own was not was. enough to have you accomplish what you've accomplished. It's that well, of course not combination in Aquarius, and then the Libra in the twelfth house, which is give which gave you an enormous uh, interest in. Sp- spirituality and esotericism so let me go forward 
to the what is happening now, which is this Sagittarius is coming in. And Sagittarius, um, in the sense that it's known, it's known for being, um, but your Mercury's not there, so don't think so much about communication as presentation. Your personality is not rooted in your in the Mercury, so don't be thinking, oh, I, could, uh, I will be communicating more like a Sagittarius. It's more um, a felt experience. Yeah, no, experience. I'll, I'll always communicate like an Aquarius and act like an Aquarius. I'm always going to It's always that. the background, but, you know, that's, that's part of why you feel that is your Mercury hasn't yet left Aquarius. So when it yeah, does, then you will... Aquarius is the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, Everything it's should go be Aquarius into... all the time. It's going to be in Pisces, so you'll find that has its own challenges. But trying to go back to the Ascendant, which is the Scorpio still, but with the Sagittarius coming up really strongly there. And it has, at zero, zero degrees Sagittarius, right on your Ascendant, which is likely to bring some upheavals into your personal life. Shit, like what? I don't know. And you're I'm not, not a, you're I'm not a not predictor. No, I'm not. I'm not going to predict what the next few years are going to bring you specifically. This is for you to be aware of. This energy is right there on your ascendant. It's within two degrees. Uranus, oh, I will. I will be. Uranus, I will be path working the Temperance card hardcore. Uranus is right the on the ascendant, and it's retrograde. Yeah. So just be aware. That's that, to me what's really useful about the astrology stuff. Is like you tell me that. I know which angels I need to work with, scry, evoke, like those Excellent. ones that correspond. That's that's the cool intersection between astrology and and yeah. evocation or ritual magic. Ritual magic. Yes. Yeah, because then so. you can go to those beings and get advice and have them do things. Good. Well, the point was that Uranus, of course, being so close to the ascendant, is you need to you need to be cautious physically. Need to be aware of doing things without considering the consequences to not do not behave rashly especially with your physicality pay attention to what you're doing with your body pay attention to how you put your energy out there uranus is really a fun energy but it's a little bit like surfing it's like crazy time so you want to you want to try and stay conscious while that energy is running through you. It, it is like most of these um, higher octave energies, important for people who have a spiritual awareness, keep that spirituality centered in your life. Because the other thing you have in that first house um, of yourself is Neptune and Sagittarius as well. So a planet of disappointment, disillusionment, but of ultimate spiritual vision, also in the first house, in Sagittarius. So in terms of scrying and things like that, your ability to reach those higher levels is unparalleled. It's got to be unparalleled, the ability to actually have your body elevate itself to go to those levels. That's not retrograde. The Uranus is retrograde. So it's going to be a little sneaky. It's going to sneak up on you. So you need to be watching your back physically in a literal sense. Don't be haphazard in your actions. Don't be precipitous. But the Neptune in the Sagittarius in the first house, um, use it. Use it, use it to elevate your spiritual vision. And Put it out there. Share it. Sagittarius, as you, I don't know if you know, but it is the teacher. It is sending that information out in an organized way so that people can access it. There is an enormous love of learning that goes with Sagittarius, but in particular, higher octave learning. Not the nitty-gritty, well, you know, go left here, go right there, but the, you know, the overview, the 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 looking from higher up in the sky and looking down and seeing how everything fits together, seeing the big patterns, the big picture. <sighs> so it's a, it's a cautionary placement, both of them, 
there are cautions with it, and there is the opportunity for enormous adventure and elevation that comes with it as well. Uh, Capricorn is in the second house. That's good for saving money, for accumulating money and holding on to it. Um, let me find your Saturn. That's in Libra. It's in, oh, yeah. It's a good time to focus on earning. Um, there's no planets there, but it definitely... Capricorn is practical. And you don't carry any Earth still. I like Capricorns. Yes, you mostly do. And in your natal chart, you have Venus and Capricorn. So Venus... Capricorn will bring you a lot of uh, support and good fortune. <clears throat> loving a, through building, right? Beg your pardon? This key phrase is loving through building. Yeah. I know you're way past key phrases, Mother. But so Capricorn you go. That's my liminal in your astrology. second house is a really good position. It's good for building financial security. And we're going to go to the ruler Saturn, but we're going to just put a pin in that and, and get to it a little bit further along because it's in your 10th house and very nicely positioned to a certain extent. There's always downsides to these things. So many downsides. Oh, there's always something. You have to have the pros and the cons or there's no, there's no adventure, no diversity for those, for in those life. those listening, when I was born and she saw my chart for the first time after I was born, Allegedly, she cried. Is that true? Um, at some point, I was concerned about the Mars. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Mars in the fourth house indicates some discord in the home. And your Mars is conjunct, for conjunct Mercury, which shows some, you know, some argumentativeness. Uh, and that can be great. Let's say you join a debate team. Mars conjunct Mercury is brilliant. It will argue till the cows come home. It's in Aquarius, so you usually think you're right. Um, that can other people can find that somewhat aggravating, but it has enormous energy, um, and you just have to watch it following into the lower octave of argumentativeness for its own sake. Because Mars loves its own energy; it just loves to run its energy. It's just it's young male energy. It's like showing off and beating its chest so as it matures then it then it uses it to a purpose and that's what you have done with your Mars is learn to use it for a specific purpose that moves your life along because that's what Mars should be doing is moving your life along in an evolutionary direction and now a word from our sponsors Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. So at the moment... Um Mercury is still in Aquarius, in the third house of communication. That's still working very nicely for you. You already know pretty much how that works. And it's not conjunct Mars anymore, which is really helpful. Um, you've got Venus, the Sun, and the Mars uh, just in Pisces. But Mars now is within a few degrees of Aries. And the sun is moving up to that. So as you move into an, becoming an Aries person and you're letting go of the Pisces, Pisces, as you know, is very involved. It's 
it's very creative, very involved with spirituality and creativity and psychedelics. All of its different forms can be involved with overuse of alcohol and drugs of some sort. So the question always with Pisces is to bring it into balance. So mastery. It's different. It's all definitely. When you're coming to the end of Pisces, as you are in three planets, so that means you're coming to the end of the Pisces lessons. Things really do happen in phases, don't they? Yes. And you can sort of roll with them or roll against them. It's a good idea to roll with them if you don't want to get crushed. I, to I've, been, I've been. I think that's that's the best thing I've ever learned. The thing about the coming to the end of a sign is that you're learning and the lessons of the sign, you're wrapping them up. So the the point with the Pisces is to learn when to stop because the opposite side of Pisces, in other words, it's polar opposite, the sign that you need to develop in order to keep Pisces working in a positive way is Virgo. Virgo, which is the sign that sets those little petty limits that can drive people nuts, but which are essential. You have to know when to when to stop. And Virgo does really practical things. Virgo is good at I don't I, I don't want a Virgo. Virgo is good at little things like having a structure, taking the garbage out. Where's Virgo fall into any of this? Because I have no because it, it, Virgo is the polar opposite of Pisces. Mm. You don't master Pisces or any of these signs without also acknowledging the polar opposite. I just don't want of every Virgo. single one of them. You don't really have a choice. I know. So if you don't, if you don't embrace both aspects of any sign, they all come with their opposite. Up, down, in, out—you <laughs> can't avoid it. Are you saying do more vo- more Virgo work? Yeah, I've been saying that for since you went into Pisces. <laughs> we'll never say anything other than that. Oh. You have to have both balance, and the the structure of Virgo is what helps keep you healthy. It's why Virgo is often associated with health because it's the sixth house of work and health. And, and work in terms of the nitty-gritty. Being an employee rather than an employer, it's about doing the basics that need to happen that keep things working smoothly. Like the inner workings of a Swiss watch. If you just throw them together and don't pay attention, that Swiss watch is just not going to be the picture of mechanical beauty that it, that it can be. But if you're willing to do the little detail work and not be irritated by it and really embrace the beauty of the detail, then it will help ground the incredible expansiveness that comes with Pisces, which in many respects, Pisces are wanting to be one with the universe. They want to merge into it. It's a water sign. It's the 12th sign. It's the last of the zodiac. It simply wants to become one. And you'll see that with Pisces I have Pisces been pursuing people. that a little bit for the last 10 years. You'll see that with Pisces people. They, they, will, they are capable of being extremely empathetic with other people and be able to pick up on their feelings and care about them to a very great extent. And they have a very strong desire to care for others. I mean, Christianity is, has come out of the Piscean age. And so the other part of that is also the victimhood of, of Pisces, where if you have too much Pisces or the Pisces is afflicted, Piscean people can feel like they're being victimized. And what's worse, sometimes they actually are being victimized. And so they're going to have to go through the different stages of dealing with being a victim in a co- our culture or in their personal life or wherever they're being victimized. And like Christ on the cross, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to release 
because there's nothing to do to avoid it? Are you going to release because it's part of the natural order? Or are you going to push back because you feel a sense of it's not right? So for each person dealing with Pisces in their chart, they're dealing with that sense of both transcendence and victimhood. And it's, uh, it's a very potent dynamic to deal with. And you have three planets in it. But again, as I say, you're moving into Aries. And once you get out of the Pisces and into the Aries, which you're already feeling come in, the fire energy, which will be a really nice chime between the Sagittarius and the Aries, and full steam ahead. But you're just finishing off that last little bit of Pisces and wrapping up those lessons and then ready to embark on the new lessons of Aries and Sagittarius. It's pretty intense. The moon in um, is right now in Gemini, progress moon, seventh house. It's a potential for a relationship when you get a planet in residence there in the seventh house. Um, Gemini, though, as you know, is a very dual planet. It doesn't necessarily mean it can it will be a relationship that sticks, but it certainly would indicate that there's an opportunity there for someone to come in on a partnership level. Now, sometimes partnerships are not romantic. They can be business. Um, see how nicely it's aspected. Yeah, it's it's got a... It's got a very nice trine to the Jupiter in the 10th house. So there's certainly some emphasis that uh, you could meet someone through work because that's the 10th house, whether romantic or partner or both. Um, Moon in Gemini is somebody who's very changeable, very cerebral. That's going to be strange to have a moon in Gemini. How significant do you think the progressed differences energetically are to the human experience? My experience is that they are definitely felt. But that the, the reason why I like to do the natal is as well. Like I will never do some... I don't like to do someone's progress without the natal. It's like... yeah. It really Floating does feel like, like you've got to have both. You know, we all sense that there's these phases in life we go through, mm -hmm. and when you look at them compared to the progress chart, they tend to line up like shocking. Like I've seen you do this for so long, and they tend to shockingly line up with the astrology. Like when I, whenever I've gone, I've so many times gone against what you advised because I just wanted to prove it all wrong, and that was always like to my woe. Mm -hmm. And that frustrated me. So then I would sometimes take your advice and things would really work out. It's very frustrating, the whole thing. But well, it's here your, we are. It's your chart. It's not, it's not me. It's, not a, it's no one but you. This is your pattern. You came in on this pattern. This is the pattern you're basically spinning as you go through time and space. And we're just looking at the manifestations of what it's like as you spin through time and space. So right now we have Moon in Gemini, and it's uh, it's considered a little bit of a tricky position when you have the Moon, which is a planet of femininity, of the maternal, and of emotion in, in a mental sign. So it cannot sometimes indicate someone who has trouble accessing their emotion or who intellectualizes their emotions so that instead of saying, I feel, they are inclined perhaps to say, I think or I believe. But they're versatile people and they get bored very easily. They need a lot of variety and it's very compatible with the Aquarius and the Libra. 
that's very good, nice trines. Yeah. Very nice trines. Not to be concerned about that at all, really. Well, it does lay a good foundation for stability. Well, Moon in Gemini doesn't lay a foundation for stability, but no, but the other trines. The trines really support it, and what it because basically what compatibility is is the you know certain amount of agreement. You know, and some people, in my experience... Well, especially if you can work with those energies. Yeah, if some people need more agreement in their relationships than others. So it's a very personal thing. Some people like someone who's going to challenge them and not agree with everything. Um, But there'll be an underlying respect and understanding. Other people really need someone to be a bit more of a clone of themselves. So important to find that out about yourself. Um, it's a nice position. <laughs> it's not something I'd be concerned about. Um, you watch the transits as they come over it, but there's nothing right close to it just at the moment. Um, I want to jump a little bit to the 10th house because it's so potent right now. It is ruled by um, the sign is Virgo. You've got 10 degrees of Virgo and the rest, the 20 degrees of Libra. So again, bringing an attention to detail and a technical proficiency to your career is extremely important. And that Mercury is in Aquarius. So it, you would have that ability to, to have that level of mastery. <laughs> it does very much support a career that is based in writing and speaking. Mercury and Aquarius, the ruler of your 10th house of career. That's not really new. Just more fortuitous time. It is, uh, it is different than your natal pattern. Your natal pattern had Leo and the, then followed up with some Virgo. Now it's it's... It's a different pattern right now. It's Virgo and then Libra. And so this is fun. This is really fun what's that's happening. That that you're manifesting that in develop, developing technical expertise in the minutiae of teaching online. Um, and even better, in your tenth house after the Virgo is Jupiter and Saturn at seven degrees Libra. Now, they're both retrograde, which, which I mean, it's not a bad thing. It, it can delay manifestation of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, just doesn't give it to you immediately. It makes you work for it. It makes you deepen your abilities and your experience. Um, and there can be some immediate um, frustration with things. You like you feel like you put the effort out, but it doesn't give you the return as as quickly as you would like, but it it doesn't deny the return either. And to have both signs of the teacher, the two different types of teacher, Jupiter, the expanse of the higher mind, Saturn, the more of the uh, scholarly, and uh, I'm wanting to say something in terms of lecturing, like giving people information, telling them how things work, Whereas Jupiter is more helping people reach their own higher minds. And you need both. Like a a solid teacher, it's an amazing thing to have both together. Because a lot of people have one or the other. And then we have teachers who have neither, which is scary. (laughs) But when you've got both of them, then you do have that ability to ground people's knowledge in real information as well as helping them achieve higher states of consciousness higher understanding consistent with who they are and Libra prefers to work one-on-one prefers an intimacy prefers a sense of partnership in the enterprise um And what that means to me is that you're equals. Like and that I think is a very nice thing in teaching. 
I'm not a personally a fan of people who want to teach from a place of I'm elevated and I'm imparting my wonderful knowledge to you. Libra is we're partners in the learning. We are both part of the process of teacher-student are interchangeable almost and certainly in terms of respect and understanding. So it's a terrific partnership to have in the 10th house. Let's just find Venus. And the Venus in Pisces, you know, that works nicely too. In the third house of communication, um, and again, bringing in that desire to, to help people transcend, to go to spirit. So that, uh, that aspect comes in too with, the, with your career house. So that is a lot of different energy being available to you in your career um, for this next year, and it'll continue longer than that. Um, so that's great. Do you have any questions about any of this so far? I tend to I'm be I'm sort of in, just on. in awe because so, cause it's been a while since we did this hardcore and you're, you're very good and this is awesome. Excellent. Um, in the 11th <coughs> house of friendship, uh, the ruler is Libra, then some Scorpio. Yay, Scorpio. Um, Pluto is in that 11th house retrograde in Libra that's not an easy position so that still is some difficulties in one-to-one relationships that Pluto is still Pluto wherever it comes makes you go down to the nitty-gritty of relationship so in a good relationship it can help you get to the core of your being with the other person I mean, I, my bias is that's a great thing. The reality is there's not many people who, who want that kind of intensity or intimacy, but they're out there. And one of the things I think is amazing about online communication, online teaching, is that you have the ability to go and find those special sparks out there in the world whereas if you were just mining your own community you're just not going to find very many because that's just the way it is but if you've got a larger community to draw from then you've got many more opportunities to find people of like mind who are scattered around the globe and Pluto really resonates with that ability to go and find those true spirits. Travel with them for as long as it's right to be together and let it go when the relationship has hit its end. Bless and release. A bit trite, but also very true. Um, And it's retrograde, so it does make you dig a little bit into those relationships. And it can bring some, you know, delay in understanding what's going on with the relationship. But worthwhile. I always consider Pluto worthwhile if you can survive it. A bit apocalyptic, but what the hell. Who doesn't love the apocalypse? (laughs) Who doesn't? Seriously. (laughs) Bring on the zombies, bitches. Yes, yeah. So it's in the house of friendship. It does bring intense, intense communication with people as friends it also can do it in groups certainly ties in with being able to to communicate with groups of people of like mind about these really intense life-changing perspectives beliefs philosophies and in a way that will help people in their relationships because Libra is all about relationship and ultimately no man is an island and neither is a woman so we need to be able to understand each other and Pluto is about getting down to the 
nitty-gritty so that we can understand each other at a very core level. So releasing those prejudices on the surface and getting down to what is really true for each of us. Do you have any questions at this point? Hmm. There's the very mundane question in the future of whether it's better to live in a city or in the country. That's a that's a big question for the next. You live in both a city and a country. <laughs> oh, very clever. Very clever. Oh well, I can't help myself. But what what is do, can can a chart give you insight as to what sort of environment would be best for the future? There there are astrologers who do uh, sort of geolocation charts. I don't do that. Um, I know of an astrologer, a very famous astrologer, Diane, Diane or Diana Stone, who actually moved to Portland based on her the chart reading she did. She was an amazing woman. Um, uh, so, yes, you can do that. And there can be a... Um, you can look at the difference. If you had a city in mind, then you can cast the chart for that city. Now, I like, did want to mention... Yeah. and just before you go any further in the question, is the first house is Sagittarius. It certainly could leave itself open to an interpretation of simply moving to another country or another culture. Because Sagittarius is international travel, international. When, it, when it's referring to distance, Gemini is short-term travel in the neighborhood, Sagittarius is international. Yeah. So yes, it certainly indicates that there can be some uh, a possibility to just pick up and want to move to some place because you want to be in attunement with a different culture. Mm. Yeah, that that makes sense. Now, whether or not you would like that's a that's a predictive thing, and and. I think the Sagittarius speaks for itself, and the rest is practicalities. Well, I think there's room for your will, right? Like, yeah, it shows yeah. you openings that it, make more sense than yeah. other openings, yeah. and you get to choose which door you go through. Yeah. And the thing you have to watch out for in Sagittarius, though, is um, if you don't do it on a practical level, like, it's square to Virgo. Virgo says you must follow the basic rules. You have to be somewhat practical. And it's square to Sagittarius. So you always want to watch what you might be triggering if you if you jump, if you leap before you see if it's doable. And that is what Uranus is about. Very much wanting to just simply leap. Because it feels so good. It just feels really good when you've got Uranus uh, that close to the Ascendant, the desire to just make the jump. So the cautionary note is make sure it's got some staying power. Make sure that when you make the jump, you've got la land that you can land on. There's something stable there. And we can look at that more further, but I would need to do up a different chart for that, especially if you had something in mind. Fascinating. I did want to just briefly say, um, Mercury, progressed Mercury right now is retrograde, so the communication issues. Um, it the the thing about Mercury retrograde to keep in mind is. It's always going retrograde. So I love you want to pay attention to it because it does make you that, that's dig a little I like. deeper. That's why, that's why I do the most diary writing and yes. work on my autobiography and shit like that. Like, yeah. Mercury retrograde is when I go through all the archives and I get so much work done. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's people crazy. who fuss over Mercury's retrograde, it's very good to know about if you're actually doing something Mercury-based. 
if you're mailing a letter and it's important to you and you're doing it during Mercury retrograde, for goodness sake, register it. You know, that sort of thing. Take precautions. So I just wanted to say that Mercury, transiting Mercury right now is retrograde and it will go direct on February 21st. So if you're going to send anything out, you're going to do a Mercury transaction. February 21st, um, it goes direct. There could be delays or cock-ups within this three-week period. And don't be surprised if they happen. And if you're doing something in particular, do precautionary work to protect it as best you can. As I say, if I'm doing something mailing, I'd always register it. Whereas I might not if Mercury's direct, it's not such a big deal. It's not that important. But I'm a Capricorn. I'm inclined to register things yeah, just yeah, because you're a Capricorn. I'm practical. You care way more about mailing things than I do. So that's what came it's across. A, it's a just your fascination describing mailing in details. Yes, it's I a metaphor. It, it could be emailing it. Was it, pre- it could it's be. It's pretty funny. I'm like, wow. I wouldn't. Ne- I don't know any other. I don't know any Aquarians that would talk about mailing for two. It's and a, a half generational months. issue as yeah. well, as well as being a Capricorn issue. If you want me to try and speak to you in your language, if you are doing some sending something out on your computer. The During the web. Mercury retrograde the period, plane. there can be communication cock-ups, that's all. So, until February 21st. We wouldn't want a cock-up. We wouldn't want to, unless you want to. Cock-ups are bad. So, um, yeah, you have planets in seven houses now instead of four, which is gives you a lot more versatility, a lot more understanding of other people's perspectives because you've got more range available to you and you've got five planets in air two in fire and three in water i'm great with other people's plus an ascendant no comment so (laughs) again you have no planets in earth and don't this, want them, never had them. Yes, Don't you miss have them. had them. You natally had Venus and Capricorn. But it does mean... But now it's gone. Uh, no, it's still there as a background. Um, but the point would be, you still have to bring in your own Earth. Which means you have to make a conscious effort, cons- conscious effort to maintain structure. That's what she said. So it's it is advised you bring in your own Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn energy because you need it. All right. Everyone needs to have all of the elements represented in some way. So at Unless another Adam time, Adam and I build the house, the house will crumble and it will fall. That is exactly right. That's Adam and I was not fooling around. Adam and I, Hashem knows what. So one of the ways you do that is in earning money, another is in your work, and the other is in your career. So you're, you've got it, the opportunity to bring in the earth in those three areas. And in terms of uh, the strengths of the planets, you have three cardinal, one fixed, and five mutable. So, gives you flexibility. Like, you have way more flexibility than you ever did in your natal chart. I'm so flexible. Something to, something to really be grateful for as you move into this phase of your life. I am full Because of your ascendant is going from being fixed to mutable. It's in the process. I just don't think ascendants matter that much, really. Well, that's fine. You can believe that. I'm wrong. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they have their place. It's, it is foolish to decide that something doesn't matter. I'm Some wrong. aspect of yourself doesn't matter. You're wrong. <laughs> that's awesome. You know your because shit. Because you have a physicality. You have a persona. You have... You project... An 
energy that people react to. And to be in denial, can you get that? To be in denial of that is, uh, well, so, so not can I, here's a, here's a Here's a good no, end note question. Because you are not just an astrologer, you've been through all these systems of mysticism and spirituality, even finished the Golden Dawn and went through Portal with Martin and Sam Robinson. Would you say that uh, the practice of the rituals in Hermeticism and Western magic affect a layer, one layer of astro- astrological significance, like the ascendance level, perhaps, or something else, more than others? What would you say is the interaction between Western magic ritual work and the experience of astrology in someone's daily life? I think it, because you did these rituals for years. I, I think that. They help you to deeply manifest the truth of who you are. And I think that that's what we're here to do, is to manifest with as much truth and integrity and heart as we possibly can the truth of all the different aspects of who we are and who we are becoming as we move through from the natal to the progressed. Any spiritual path that you follow that is true for you, that you follow because you want to follow it, not because someone else told you you should, but because it rings true for you, is going to help you in your journey. No matter how long it lasts, and no matter what different ones you need to try, as long as you are being true to your authentic self or making that effort at each step, then you are going to be manifesting the best of who you are. And when you fall down, if you have a spiritual perspective, it can help you pick yourself up and go again because you're not looking just at the limited oh, I made a mistake today. If you're doing spiritual work, that spiritual work will help you know it's not just about today. There's a future. And I want to see what I'm going to become in that future. So curiosity will keep you going. And any spiritual work you do will only enhance who you are. Thank you. That was wonderful. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk